Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm delighted that you're with us today. My dear friends, I have told you before that I am skeptical of mediums. The whole concept seems so tenuous. I mean, it's hard enough to imagine people being able to mind read with other living people, but now we expect them to be able to mind read with dead people. I've also had trouble with the fact that when I did an investigation of mediums, this was really stupid, I did an investigation of mediums 20 years ago, and I booked readings with a dozen well-recommended mediums. I spent about $3,000 doing this. And I did those readings one right after another. I mean, that's the easiest way to do it, right? You get it out of the way. Well, it was a disaster. The only really good reading was the first one, and it was with someone who was totally unknown. She got the names of four relatives who have odd names, and she brought in my brother-in-law, who had just died so vividly, and also my mother-in-law and a few others. I was so excited. I thought, oh, I've been wrong all along. This works. But then by the fourth reading, it was only my brother-in-law who was dependably showing up. By the tenth reading, we were getting goose eggs. No matter how famous or expensive a medium was, they could not find anybody. And that was embarrassing to them. And I was like, okay, psychic mediums are mostly cold reading charlatans. I give up. But I've learned better now. Because in the 20 years since that fiasco, I've come to understand that it was all my fault. I've had some wonderful readings with mediums, and one of them, I told the story to her, and she was very sweet about it. She said, you know, you bored them because they have lives, and they're busy, and I'm sure they were delighted to communicate with you. But it's sort of like getting the same person every day calling you to tell you the same boring stories. They, They got bored. That was the way it was. So... Um, I have since learned that there are some excellent, excellent mediums, psychic mediums, spiritual mediums, whatever they want to call themselves. There are some who are fantastic. And I'm trying to introduce to you now some of the best. Last week, we spoke with Mark Anthony, who's the psychic lawyer. And today, our guest is another famous and prominent medium. Hollis Duran provides detailed messages from spirits. She's done a lot of work with TV and radio. She's out in L.A., so... She's sort of like a celebrity anyway. Um, she's been on The Seance with John Edward on Sirius. We're on Radio Medium, Coast to Coast with George Nori, and of course we all love George. And her first book, I'm Not Dead, I'm Different, which is about communications from children, has been translated into several languages. She does a monthly email newsletter called Messages, Love, Hope, and Healing in Spirit, and she's just all around a delightful person, and she's written a fantastic book. I'm eager to talk to her about it. Hollister, welcome. I'm so happy you're with us today. Well, I'm happy to be here, and I loved your opening story. Um, <laughs> you know, I actually limit how much people are able to see me in a year. So for <laughs> private sessions, I won't see a person usually more than twice a year. Um, and there are some exceptions, but for the most part, the spirits really like to comment on what's going on in your life. So yeah. allowing six months to go by between sessions is really beneficial for the spirit as well as for the sitter. So I loved your opening story. Well, I mean, it's an embarrassing one for years. I wouldn't tell it. 
because I should have known better, but I'm very naive in love about a lot of things. And I figured I'll just get this knocked out. I, I don't believe this works. I've always been skeptical. So there, that was, so my thought at the time was, okay, I'm going to try some of the best, best recommended. All 12 of them were well recommended, even though some were well known, some were not. But I, I outfoxed you because I only saw each of them once, but I did two or three a week over a month's time. Yes. That was all. <laughs> that was obviously stupid, right? It was stupid. Well, you know, uh, but no, don't consider it stupid or even naive because, <laughs> because when we are on a quest, we will do anything um, to find out the answer. And that's actually one of the reasons why I wrote this book is it answers a lot of the desperate type questions that I've been asked, you know, answering in public over the last 25 years. Because most of the questions in the book um, are really questions out of fear or dismay or someone having a little bit of information but being afraid of what that really means in the big picture. Yes. So, um, so that's one of the reasons why I wrote this book. Um, we, we seek out mediums and we seek out, you know, understanding life after death because we're all going there. Some of us may get there faster than others. And, you know, the bottom line is it's a travel destination we're all going to reach. So might we want to know a little bit about it before we get there? I think it's even worse for people in the Western tradition because Christianity to be perfectly frank, is fear-based. We are afraid of God. We're afraid of going to hell. We're afraid of being judged. We're afraid that we can't possibly meet the standards. Um, I've talked with people who run hospices, and they say there's nobody more fearful than a, than a very devout Christian at the time of death. They're sure they're not going to hit the, the high mark that their religion has set for them. And I think that is tragic because the opposite, as you know, the opposite is true. Everybody gets there and it's wonderful for everybody, even if you've not lived a great life. One of my favorite messages, I was speaking with a mother um, in spirit who was very clear about who should be in heaven and who should not be and who measured up and who would, you know, and she said to her daughter, they let anyone in here apparently because <laughs> we were also speaking with an uncle who according to this mother really should not have been anywhere near, near. That's right. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> that was one of my favorites they let anyone in here <laughs> no, no standards can you imagine <laughs> Oh, it is, that is so funny. No, it, it is true that there, the amount of ignorance is appalling. I just did a, 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 a not Skype, but what is the other thing? Zoom, Zoom. Uh, a meeting meeting with a, with a group of uh, bereaved parents. And one of the questions I got was, why doesn't everybody know this? And that's one. That's a question I'll ask you. But the, the the problem is, very few people have even a modicum of understanding of what happens at and after death. And yet, it's so lovely. It's all good news. And you speculate in your book about why it is people almost don't want to know. And I think it's because they're so afraid the news will be, as you say, we're all going there. We it's not like we have a choice. And and they're afraid some of the news will be bad. Well, the the good news is my book is kind of like the Yelp version of the afterlife. So, you (laughs) know, everything is sort of starred. Okay, so, you you know, the afterlife gets five stars. All right. So we're all happy about that. But the first 
the first question in the book, is there really an afterlife? Now, that question was asked on a cruise with a bunch of metaphysical people. And, um, and I was really surprised because these are people who are attending workshops with a medium, an animal communicator, a right. psychic. You know, these were not people who sort of wandered in off the Lido deck. You know, these were people yes. who took the cruise because it was based in this kind of metaphysical stuff. So um, I had for a while asked people to write their questions down and put them in a basket. And the reason I did that was I found the most interesting questions were questions people didn't want to ask in public in front of other people. But imagine my surprise when I pulled that out. And is there really an afterlife? Now, I could have been flippant and said, hey, I'm a medium. Of course, there's an afterlife. (laughs) You know, otherwise I'd be out of a job. But instead... I paused and I thought, you know, this really deserves an answer and an answer inspired by the spirits. So I paused and I looked out and I saw loved ones in spirit beginning to gather around the people in the audience. And I heard them say in one voice, like a Greek chorus kind of thing, there is no afterlife. Well, you can imagine I took a breath at that. What? There's no afterlife? There's no afterlife. And then the second part of it came. There is only life. Yeah, that's that's really how they do feel. That's part of what people find odd, the fact that from the viewpoint of the spirits, they can come lower their vibration to the point where we are, and they can talk with us as long as we can hear them all the time if they want to. They can peek in whenever they like. It's it's um, well, we're we're getting into it. I what I always first ask people when this is their first time with us is a little. Can you tell us a little bit about your your history and how you discovered your gift and what what why do you feel called to do this work? Everyone always wants to sort of know the person that we're talking today you know it's so funny that you ask because i really do shy away from talking about myself you know it's always been my belief people are much more interested in hearing about their own loved ones and their own family than they are about me but i have discovered that my story is important because it resonates with so many people who are on their own journey with spirits so that's why i'm willing to talk about my journey um when i was young i did not see this work or connected being connected with spirits as a gift. I saw it as a curse. Um, it didn't occur to me early on in my life that everybody wasn't doing this. I thought, oh, I'm seeing these people, so that means everybody's seeing these people. Well, imagine my surprise when I found out that wasn't the case. And then all of a sudden, I'm left with, what do I do with this? Who are these people? What do they want? And then getting the subtle message from my family that this was not acceptable. Really? Um, but, but yeah. But you this in your family, though. How could they say Yes. That? Yes. Well, remember, this is way, way back. Um, so I sound much younger than I am. <laughs> um, so this was a time when mediumship really wasn't popular. Um, and I was an Episcopalian growing up in the church. But more than that, one of the spirits who came, not only my grandfather, um, who people who were babysitting me were trying to tell me was dead, and yet I was seeing him every night, but he then brought a young boy with him. 
and a young boy who gave me his name. Well, when I mentioned to my mother that this young boy was there, I, I, I mean, she, she was shocked. I found out later that that young boy was my uncle who had died um, oh. very young due to complications with appendicitis. Yes. And oh. it was such a devastation within the family. Nobody talked about it. So here I was bringing up really a wound that was so deep within the family. I don't think my mother knew what to do with that. Um, So that's where that sat. And then I became very fearful of this and then did my best to to limit it, shut it down. And then I was in a car accident, um, which was extremely serious, very severe head injuries, uh, broken bones, you know, really quite awful. You know, finally got to college in three braces and an eye patch. You know, it was a mess. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, And after that, a couple of years after that, I couldn't tell the difference between the living and those in spirit. It became just as it was when I was a kid and in some ways just as threatening. So then I had to deal with it all over again. Fast forward, I moved out to California, met a bunch of other mediums and healers, was so excited and delighted to find my tribe, and here we are today, 25 (laughs) years later. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad for you, though. A lot of people never find their tribe, so it's wonderful that you found people who are really simpatico. Yes. Now, I I wasn't going to say anything about this, but... My understand. This is a question everyone will want to answer to. My understanding is that you once were married to a, to a famous medium. Yes, I yes, I was. Say, I won't say who it was, but <laughs> but what's it like when two very good mediums, and I know he is very good, are, are married to one another? Are you like finishing each other's senses, reading each other's minds? Does it make it easier or harder to have a fight? What's it like for two mediums to be married to one another? Well, I was so delighted to find someone who understood my sensitivities. I, now, we met at a time when we weren't both practicing mediums. So we met in college, which was before we oh, were really? doing all of this stuff. Yeah, and then came together at a later time. And so for me, it was just sheer delight to be, you know, uh, to be with somebody who understood me and someone I understood. So there was tremendous delight. Um, But I do remember once we were, you know, driving along, I think it was Pacific Coast Highway. And I said, yes, let's stop for lunch if we have time. And he paused and he looked at me. He said, what? I said, yeah, let's stop for lunch if we have time. He said, I was just thinking, should we stop for lunch if we have time? I said, I thought you actually said it out loud. Oh, isn't that he said, funny? no, I didn't say it out loud. So, yeah, and it really made Christmas just useless. We finally decided not to even wrap the gifts. You oh, know. isn't that funny? Yes. Yeah, so, but other than that, I mean, it. I, I just was so blessed um, by having someone who understood me. So, yeah, yeah I, I just was delighted with all of that. To and finally we- belong, to finally belong. And we're not going to say who she was married to, but she says it in her book. Just another reason to perhaps think about adding it to your collection. But let's let's go on now and talk about your book. Everything you wanted to know about the afterlife were, were afraid to ask. Now, my own story in this is that I try not to interview 
people that I don't know well who have written about the afterlife because so many people get so many things wrong and I've got to stand behind their work. So when I agreed last fall, when we first, I reached out at, or maybe your agent did, I don't know. But anyway, I really was eager to interview you because I had heard of you, of course, and, and was eager to hear what you had to say about a lot of things. But I wasn't sure I wanted to have you do an afterlife book. So then it came finally, because it's just been published to everyone. And I started reading it, and I was delighted because over and over what you say is exactly what I would say. Now, why is that strange to people listening? Well, one of the reasons is this. We come from very different perspectives. I've spent 50 years doing what amounts to intensive scholarly research, primarily in communications through deep trance mediums that are 100 years or more old, um, quantum physics, putting it all together, trying to understand in such depth that I'm able to teach this. I turned myself into a PhD, you know, uh, professor um, of this topic. I, I don't know of anybody who knows as much about it as I do. And over and over again, this woman who only knows really, I, unless you've been doing more research than I'm aware, what the, what the spirits have told her as she practiced her profession. She says the same things I say. So yeah, you have no idea. I was cheering as I was reading your book because there's there are maybe a couple things that we differ on, but those things are not important. And it's just that I... I mean, when, when everybody who's talked to me just about um, was uh, was actually talking through a deep trance medium 100 more or more years ago, maybe there's a – things have changed some there, actually, which is kind of amusing to me. But that's true. They have. But what a wonderful book this is because my book, The Fun of Dying, Find Out What Really Happens Next, is, is you can read it in an evening. It's got a, lo- a lot of appendices, but just the book itself, the people who – buy my book typically have a sudden urgent need for knowledge and I give it to them that way and it's just the facts ma'am now here is a great companion to it because what Hollister has done is to is to put together all the questions that people ask her with their answers in a way that it's very easy if you've got a question you can easily find the answer in her book I do this many days I spend a whole a whole day answering questions because I have to write them out and they're all custom. So I wish now I could just give out your book to everybody and then I won't have to spend so much time just just communicating with people and, and answering their questions. I love it. I think it's just exactly what the marketplace needs right now. Well, I'm so delighted you think that. And we may not be coming from uh, backgrounds that are as different as you may think. Um, I value science. And I value research. Um, My father was a science teacher. And so I have always grown up with the idea of trusting that science will find the truth. But there are many pathways to that truth. And so I do think that science and research will also support what metaphysicians have discovered is also the case. So I really think it goes hand in hand in hand. Um, it should. So, you are right. It should. But darn it, they still are totally clueless. I'm so sorry. I'm so frustrated by it. And I think your your belief in them is so touching. I mean, for Pete's sake, Max Planck, in, in, um, who won the 1918 Nobel Prize as a father of quantum mechanics, 
He said everything is consciousness. You cannot get behind consciousness. He discovered God, and he discovered God a hundred years ago. And yet, they st- when I tell some physicists what he said, they don't believe that direct quote from from Max Planck. Can you believe that? They're so determined that, that there cannot be a God and that they're just trying to stonewall that. It's so well, ridiculous. Well, it's really, really okay. Um, in that, you know, I was on the radio with a scientist once who was talking about consciousness and was talking about consciousness existing outside the physical brain. You know, where That's is the state of yes. Right. So, I, you know, we we're having this conversation. I said, great. I said, so what you're basically saying is if consciousness exists outside the physical brain, then I can indeed connect with consciousness of people who have passed who do not have physical brains and the scientist said to me no hollister Rand, that isn't what i'm saying <laughs> yes, sir. Had i was like okay oh, real That's time on the radio okay. hey, all yeah, right heard the boom yes yeah so you know what i am really okay and this is something that has been important to me personally as well is to come from a place of discernment but non-judgment recognizing that everybody comes to truth in his or her time and, you know, and allowing myself to be in the space of love and work with that, whatever that is. Um, And really, I, I, I am able after 25 years of doing this, of allowing people their opinions and knowing that at some point they may come around. I may not know about it, but it's still okay. Well, I, I just love your attitude. You have this wonderful, large-spirited attitude. Maybe I'll have that too one day, but right now I'm cranky about all the people who are suffering because science stonewalls this information. But that's not what this is about. What this is about is the things you've learned, and I want to get as many of those in here as possible. Um, one of the things you talk about, I, I thought you did a good job of this, is the difference between ghosts and spirits. Because people ask me that, too. Um, is this a ghost or is that a spirit or, or what are they? Give us that explanation. Well, uh, I started out doing some ghost busting, you know, when I was moving I into this. Those stories. We're going to talk about that, too. Yes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> ghosts are spirits with a bad attitude, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> right. And, right. You know, and at the end of that chapter, I talk about, you know, ghosts, this spirits, that, you know, kind of comparing them side by side to to give people a little bit more of an understanding. And I do think that there's this, well, if if I can't see this person and, you know, or they come and they go bump in the night, it's a spirit. I need to welcome them. Well, not necessarily. Would you invite every single stranger into your house? So one of the things I really work with students uh, with is setting their frequency at love. And then with that, there's almost a built-in protection. Um, And you can decide which spirits you're going to work with. Um, And what is really fascinating about this is how spirits coming in love offer respect in the way that ghosts do not. Ghosts are very invasive. Spirits are not. And so even if we had difficulty with someone here on this earth plane, um, I was doing an event, a large event, and there was a man in the audience and um, I caught out of the corner of my eye. I saw a spirit standing in the doorway to the ballroom. And the guy gave me the feeling of, you know, I'm the father. And I said to this 
uh, man in the audience. I have a man here in the doorway. Gives me the feeling of father. Do you want to speak with him? And he said, no, I do not want to talk with my father. Wow. And that spirit was not able to enter the room. Now, we didn't have this big, you know, healing conversation. And it wasn't dramatic for the whole, you know, everybody watching. Yeah. And, you know, people weren't weeping. But what that man now knew was his father respected his boundaries in a way that he never did when he was alive. Oh. That is huge. It when is when you're dealing with spirit versus ghosts. Fascinating. The thing is, there there are people who don't complete the, the, the transition. Um, Mikey Morgan is someone familiar to everybody who listens fairly often to Seek Reality. Uh, he, he died at 20, and he's a sixth-level being who's, who deliberately took a lifetime just so he could t- talk to us as a 21st century kid, and he does that now through his mother. And um, one of the things uh, that he tells us is that as many as 20% of people who leave their bodies do not immediately make it to the afterlife, which is much, much higher than I would have thought. Um, But he says most of them were rescued fairly soon. But does that surprise you too? I mean, I find that very difficult to believe. Well, No, I'm not surprised. Um, I remember after 9-11, I pretty much canceled all my appointments. I wouldn't see anyone as soon as that happened. I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, so many people have left the planet all of a sudden. Um, You know, how are we how are we going to deal with this? And then other friends of mine who were mediums came together with me and said, you know, let's just do a prayer service. Let's just do that. And so we did. Well, of course, wherever there's a prayer service and wherever you're inviting, you know, the spirits to help, boom, there were the spirits. And we saw a doorway open in my living room, a violet covered, colored doorway, you know, like this neon violet. And we saw people with clipboards standing there um, and and saying, you are on the list. You are I'm getting chills as I say this. You are on the list. You are on the list. You are on the list. And inviting people to go through the door. You know, there were people who did not even realize they were dead. Things, you know, it happened so quickly, there was no body to look at and go, oh, I'm dead. There were people sitting at desks with their briefcases. I mean, what we saw was astonishing. We saw people in a stairwell, and those people were indeed discovered in a stairwell. I think the stairwell was intact. Um, So, and, and, there was a lady in the circle who got the name of somebody and I, you know, she got this name and I was talking with another friend of mine. He said, wait a minute, what was that name? And it turned out to be a relative of his who had checked into the building either under her maiden name or her married name. Oh. I can't remember what it was, but it was the, other, it was the name other than she was being asked for. And she just needed everybody to know she was found because at that point, we were saying so-and-so was lost, not so-and-so was dead. It was still right. a search effort. And so these spirits were getting the message, you're lost, you're lost, you're lost. We're trying to find you. So I am very grateful for all the mediums who serve as rescuers because there are mediums who are rescue mediums. That's yes. what they do. Yes. God bless them for that. 
um, because that is the kind of thing that I couldn't necessarily handle. Now, here we are almost, you know, we're coming up on 100,000 um, Americans dead, at least over 90,000, I think, or at 90,000. Right. This is, in many ways, more painful than 9-11. We have lost more people, and, um, and it's painful for different reasons. Um, and yet, these days, I am able to work in the midst of this. So I realized way back then, Part of that was my fear of being overwhelmed by what might be out there. And now with a heart of service that I have, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to help. You know, let me be of service. So I have changed over time. Yeah. I think it's different, too, because people who have been ill, and most of them are are older people. I think a tremendous, vast majority of people who die are over over 65. But um, there's like at least a little sense that death is possible when when you're, you're ill first. But these people just went to work on Monday morning and woke up dead without even any transition at all that they could imagine what's happening as as you say it's a problem if there's no body because you how do you think of yourself as dead you don't feel really any different it's amazing well that's a wonderful story thank you for sharing what you what you said about 9-11 well and so what i want to say about that 20 percent if indeed that is the number i really don't know um but what i would say is everybody is taken care of in this universe. Yes. So nobody is left to wander on their own. They're always given opportunities. Hey, come with us. Um, there is always that possibility to be drawn into love and light. Always that possibility, even for a person who has done the most heinous things on this earth plane. There is always the opportunity for change. Always. That door is never shut. I think that that's one of the things everyone needs to know. It doesn't matter what you think you did wrong in this lifetime or what anyone else did. There is all the judgment that happens after death is by yourself. And you get a lot of counseling and help to help you understand that um, you're you're forgiven, everything is okay. It, it's quite astonishing to me how much we are loved. I'm, I cannot, I'm, I'm consistently amazed by it. And that brings up another question. You, you call yourself a teaching medium working at the frequency of love, which is beautiful. And you talk about how in your, your readings, the fact that you're at that frequency is so protective, which is to me, brilliant that's that's wonderful that's what it should be but talk about that frequency of love how do you get there if someone said i want to i want to be there too how is it is there a way to get there oh yes there are plenty of ways to get there um now where i first really understood that frequency was when i was in the charismatic church so um and and i was said to have the gift of knowledge prophecy speaking in tongues all of this kind of thing little did i know that i was developing my connection with all spirits not just um a holy spirit Uh, so when i was doing my christian music and looking out over an audience i started seeing loved ones in spirit 
with people. Well, that didn't jive with, you know, the religion that I was living right. in at the time, right. you know, so, uh, so I didn't necessarily get the best um, reception to all of that. But oh, what no. I did get, but what I did get out of that experience was the understanding of what the frequency of divine love feels like. So oh. once you've experienced that, you know what it is. You know when you're in it and you know when you're out of it. Um, and people who have died and come back, because I, I speak to IANS groups, International Association of Near-Death Studies, and there are people who die and then they've survived to tell us all about it. Um, almost to a person, there's the feeling of, gee, I'm not sure I really wanted to come back. It was just, it felt so good there. There's that frequency of love, that place of peace, of okay, this all makes sense. We are okay and we are connected. You know, that is the space. It's the space of connection, of spirit network, of non-judgment and of peace and joy. Love, joy and peace all come in together and a sense of understanding. So the way I have done this in my own work is to do meditations and to consistently hit that frequency, knowing what it is. And now people are experiencing with music to get people there. Um, so there are a lot of other scientific, I don't know whether you want to call them shortcuts, but ways that we can attune our brain waves to also get there. So yeah, I'm not the only one doing this. Fortunately, science no. is catching up. Yeah, I, well, I, I think that that that's true to some extent in that area. But can you see why I'm frustrated? Because here are these people who don't even know that they're dead. There's, they don't have a sense of what that would be like. I, I guess I feel driven to help everybody understand what the process is, what it feels like, how they, how they can get there so that far fewer than 20% will not, uh, will, will, will avoid the transition right away. I, I think that there should be nobody who, who isn't, isn't immediately taken in. I don't know. This is just my, I think we're all called to do different things, Hollister. Yes, you're I called, agree with you. Absolutely. You're the, what, what you've been called to do is a wonderful thing because you're helping people ease their grief in ways that there's no other way to ease that grief than to hear the voice of the of the person, even if it's coming through you, words that that person would say, names. That's another question for you. I had so many. How do you get names? Because I've been told that's the hardest thing to get. Well, oddly enough, it's one of the easier things for me. And, and I think it's because I grew up being a musician. I've always had a really good ear. Now, all of us um, have a dominant sense. And I used to talk with my, my best friend, Barb, about this, who lost her sight when she was 19. We would have this discussion. Which would you rather lose, your sight or your hearing? You know, and she oh. loved music so much. She, she thought I could, you know, I wouldn't want to live my life without music. So our ears were always attuned. That's kind of how I interpret the world is through sound. So it isn't surprising to me that that's my dominant sense when I speak with the spirits. Because I was really impressed by that. 
um, you know, so you've got some fairly unusual names. So when I did that series of 12 readings, of course, it was hopeless. But even I've been doing a lot of random testing of mediums. Just if someone recommends someone, I'll try them if I have time. And over and over, they tell me the hardest part is getting names. Some of them have actually told me the only way they can get the names that I that are the ones I would like to hear from um, is that their guides show them uh, someone that they know who has that first name. Then they know that that's the same first name I, they would be looking for. Which struck me as so you're saying you don't have to go through that sort of association game with your with your guides. You you hear the name. Yeah, fortunately. And if I'm speaking with people in a different country, and it's a name that I'm not familiar with, and this has happened, they will use my clairvoyance, so they'll write out a name phonetically, so that I'm like reading it, you know, and it's not in the language necessarily, but it's written in English letters, you know, so and and phonetically, so I can clearly sound it out, you know, or they'll give me a sound. And this is I think I wrote about this in my book um, when I got a Chinese word that I did not know. Yes. Do 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 or something like that. I'm like, what? I don't know what that was. But the person who came to see me knew exactly what it was. And that one word summed up a whole family story. Yes, that was Um, a very good story. Yeah. Yeah. So but this is the this is the other thing, which I think is very important, is that all mediums do have strengths. And it's important to play to those strengths as mediums. But in my workshops, one of the things that I do is suggest to people that they work with their non dominant senses. So when we break for lunch, let's say someone does everything visually with spirits. They're very clairvoyant. I suggest that they listen to their meal, that all they do is interpret and enjoy their meal by what it sounds like. Oh, how fascinating. You know, so really start to work with your non-dominant senses. And as you become more comfortable with that, the spirits can begin to use that. I believe it's our job as mediums to build up all of our senses, to work to our strengths, but also, you know, build up our weaknesses. Because a spirit who is very verbal when they're here on the earth plane will be very verbal when they pass. You know, if someone, if a man is is a man of few words here on the earth plane, why would we expect him to die and become a chatty Cathy? Yes, you no. know. So, <laughs> right. so it's really important for us to meet people where they are and meet spirits where they are. Right. Now, wh- one of the things that you talk about, and I think it's important to emphasize this, um, is that when people die in a traumatic way, um, someone there who was uh, was on fire and running. Someone saw their child on fire and running, and and their child died, uh, or 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 a horrible accident or something. That they're not in pain, at the, and that's what I've learned too. That they're out of their body. Someone watched himself fall off a, a balcony, and he was standing up above watching his body fall. That's been your experience too, right? That, yes. That people, people are very much protected from what we think would be terminal pain in those situations. Well, early on in our conversation, you were talking about the easing of suffering. And that seems to be part of your mission. You want to ease the suffering of those who tell themselves certain things about death. 
That's and maybe, right. you know, set themselves apart from, you know, moving into the love, you know, that is available. Well, we here on this earth plane add suffering upon suffering all the time right. because of what we tell ourselves about the death of a loved one. Um, and so one of the reasons why the spirits show up so reliably, I'm convinced, is to correct our versions of their deaths. Um, in my first book, um, I'm pretty sure it was in my first book, uh, a daughter came to see me and her father had killed himself. And in the middle of the session, she yelled out, when you killed yourself, you killed me too. And the father responded with, don't own my death. And I went, whoa, oh, you know, holy that's, cow, that's talk about being in the middle of a family argument. Right, um, wow. But that really caused me to think about how we do own the deaths of people. We make them about us or what we think or what we assume or what we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel terrible or guilty or miserable, um, to, you know, rail at the universe that this was wrong and it should not have happened. You know, all of these things, um, the spirits like to correct the record. That is pretty deep. You're absolutely right. Another thing you talk about, and again, we've found this to be true, uh, people who are just afterlife researchers, is that if someone has an impairment here, a uh, mental impairment, and they're, they're you know, Alzheimer's or uh, a coma of some sort, you, you started communicating with people who were in this condition without realizing that they actually were were dead were, were not dead already they were they were just very much impaired and out of their bodies effectively talk about yeah, that well, what a sh- what a shock that was but first of <laughs> all you know what i like to tell everyone is just when i think i've figured all of this out the spirits show me something new <laughs> right. and that really is you know as we learn and as we grow they can show us more so i think you saw at the end of my book i said the end not really because the truth <laughs> right. of it is this is an ongoing thing and if we think we've we've come to the end of knowledge about this we are sorely lacking in, in t- intellectual curiosity so i do not come from the you know the standpoint that that I I know everything that's going to happen. Um, but with Alzheimer's, I mean, the first time I spoke with someone who had Alzheimer's, it was a huge shock to me because I went for, I don't know, 40 minutes, 45 minutes talking to this lovely lady in a gorgeous dress with a, you know, a fabric belt and she was well put together and very eloquent. We were having a grand visit and her daughter was Yes, yes, yes to everything that was being said. Um, And then, you know, we get toward the end of the session and she said, well, that is really great. Only my mother isn't dead. I was like, what? Because my first thought was, holy cow, your mother must have died between the time, you know, you got in your car to get here. I mean, I couldn't get my head around. And then all of a sudden the spirit said in my ear, Alzheimer's. And I said, does your mother have Alzheimer's? She said, yes. And for eight years, I've been wanting one more conversation with her. So then I started looking at the idea of times when consciousness is fully, fully engaged in life, but the brain is not able to express it. 
Yes. And um, and so, yeah, the limitations that we have brain-wise here, because the brain is a physical organ like any other organ. That's you know, right. Brain, brain failure like you have kidney failure or heart failure or, you know, lung disease. Um, but that does not mean you don't have consciousness. So, um, so yeah, imagine my surprise when it was Alzheimer's, when I started communicating with people in comas. Now, I don't advertise that, of course, right now I'm talking about it, and it's in my book. But that is not something that I chose to do or even want to do. Um, but I have found it intriguing, to say the least. Yes, it's fascinating. But it's, again, something else that, I mean, I know someone who routinely um, communicates electronically with people who are in comas and, have, and you know, in, we have terminal uh, end-stage Alzheimer's. But let's talk about a, a couple. Well, we're wait, before the- we go on, can we just talk about that point for one second? Because that's really important work. You see, when I started doing this work of mediumship, people pretty much died altogether at once. You know, they they died. Now we have the idea of brain death. You know, we have the idea of people in comas. We have the idea of people staying alive um, so that there can be organ donation. You know, the idea of dead is no longer dead. Yeah, it's that, very gray. That, gray you know, idea yes. has gotten very squirrely in the yeah. last, you know, 15 to 20 years. So I'm really glad that someone is doing that work. I think it's very important work. So I digress. Okay, that's right. We're, we're, we've come to the end of our time pretty much. And I just wanted to, to ask you, you, you do readings, individual readings, right? Yes, I do. I do groups and we all we do them on Zoom now. Um, and I do large groups. I do small groups. I do uh, virtual spirit circles. I do privates. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm a working medium. I'm not sitting that. back with my legs crossed. Not no. at all. <laughs> I, I love that you still will do it for people. And you'll do, you'll do it long distance by Skype or by phone. And you'll do it in your office if someone is on the West Coast, right? Well, no longer in my office um, because my office was in a medical office. And so with the shutdown, uh, we aren't oh, allowed to use the – yeah. Right. So, oh, so everything is online right now, which is fine. The spirits have adapted so beautifully to technology. I love it. Yes. Isn't it interesting how they know all this stuff? They're, they pay close attention to what's going on here. Um, Absolutely. I, I, there's, you and I could talk for another hour. We're going to have to do this again. But um, just everyone, her, her website is Hollister Rand. H-O-L-L-I-S-T-E-R-R-A-N-D dot com. And you, you can participate in any of these events that she's putting on. And um, I certainly recommend her book. There are so many questions that people have that that book answers. And uh, I, everybody, everybody interested in this topic needs to make this part of their library. I really think it's a beautiful book. What do you want people to know? Just quickly. I want people to know that their loved ones are with them, that there's no doubt about that. So they're not sitting on a cloud somewhere. They are present and with you. They're networked with you. And the other important thing to remember at this time is that no one dies alone. As difficult as it may be not to be with someone that you love at the time that they are dying, know that loved ones in spirit are with them and they will be escorted to the other side. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's exactly right. Oh, Hollister, I've so enjoyed getting to know you. This is wonderful. We will do this again. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. uh, 
Everyone, meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. I'm especially glad you could be with us today. Please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began, you never will end. And when you really get that, it's going to change everything in your life for the better. Next week, our guest will be Jill K. Thomas. She is an intuitive hypnotherapist, clairvoyant reader, author, medium, and vocal channel. This is a little bit of a departure from me. She does things that we've never talked about here, and I'm interested to hear what she has to say. She helps clients move past their limiting beliefs, discover authentic selves, create a life of peace and harmony, and her specialty is helping people who have weight problems to get past whatever is causing the weight to, to stay there. And so, obviously, that would be wonderful for me too i'm looking forward to it she has written a book called that's just out called tales from the trance the strange the sad and the solvable and because i only got a few pages of it they're not the publisher won't let me have the whole thing unless i buy a book and i'm not going to buy a book because if i bring more book into one more book into this house my husband will divorce me so um i we're, we're going to have to learn from her what it's about but i think that the hypnotherapy works and i'm fascinated to see just what she's able to do with it and of course this week our guest has been psychic medium hollister rand you call yourself a psychic medium or a spiritual medium or both or i just call myself a medium okay and yeah yeah just keep it simple that's how i look at it I love it. Okay. Hollis Durand is a medium, and she's one of our most prominent public mediums working today. This book, her brand new book, is called Everything You Wanted to Know About the Afterlife But Were Afraid to Ask, and I think it's terrific. It, it's, it would be an, a wonderful companion book to The Fun of Dying, which amazingly after 10 years still sells well because it my book is more bare bones this book goes into in much more details into the kinds of things we start to wonder about as we as we're getting through learning more and more about the afterlife and so i think it's just a terrific book i recommend that it be part of everybody's library as you know, I have a bunch of books out, and I don't have time even to talk about what they all are, but you know what they are, and they're available uh, through my website, through um, wherever books are sold, through Amazon, and the adult books are available as audiobooks. Past episodes of Secret Reality can be found on webtalkradio.net, realrevolutionradio.com, iTunes, iHeartRadio, the wonderful Dream Vision 7 radio family where they play them as new episodes after six months, which I think is so wonderful of them. And more and more people now tell me they just have the app that's available for free in the iTunes store, and then they they get the Seek Reality episodes as they are post, first posted. So if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's something that bothers you, don't hesitate to reach out to me. There's a green contact block on robertagrimes.com. I answer every email. It can take me a week sometimes. But if you don't hear from me after a week, please let me know that because occasionally these they do go astray. Sometimes I don't have quite the right email address. But I want to help you if there's anything I can do to help you. Meanwhile, of course, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy and please make the most of this coming week in our one reality. Indeed, you heard from Hollister today that the dead say there's only one reality, too. So we agree with them on that as well. So please enjoy this week in our one reality, knowing that you are a powerful, eternal being. And you, most of all in the universe, you are infinitely loved. 
You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything.